Welcome to the Top 5 Podcast with your hosts, Rail Bricker and Lindsay Adams. Hello again, I am Lindsay Adams and I'm delighted to have you here as our guest on the Top 5 Podcast. Today we have Rashmi Wattel. Now Rashmi is based in, based in Perth, Australia and she's a public speaking coach for non-native English speakers. She's a TEDx presenter and once upon a time was an engineer. Welcome, Rashmi. Thank you, Lindsay. So, Rashmi, what's your heritage? So, I originally come from India. India. Yes. Excellent. So, this this is um, really interesting. Now I get the public speaking for non-native English speakers, a really interesting topic. So, let's roll on to your top five tips. What's tip number one, Rashmi? So, my tip number one is that... My accent is my superpower. A lot of people come and say that I want my accent to be removed. Like whichever country of origin you come from, mostly I have clients from the Asian subcontinent and they would say, come and say to me that I want my accent to be removed and I want to have an Australian accent or an American accent. And I always tell them that your accent is your superpower. It just tells other people that you know more than a language and you have a heritage that you should be proud of. So, Rashmi, obviously you must speak another language. How many languages can you speak? So, so English is my third language and I can, I'm learning to speak another local language. Wow. So I can understand, but I can't speak very well. <laughs> cool. Um, so, Rashmi, I mean, that's interesting because, you know, we see it all the time, you know, particularly in Australia, and, and people will comment on my accent being, you know, from South Africa, and and then they'll, they'll say, oh, but we didn't notice it for the first hour of our conversation, and it just that it's suddenly some words slipped in, and I go, yeah, it just depends who I'm talking to. So how does your, you know, how should you manage your accent around the people or or should you just be jumping out there and saying, I'm proud of who I am? So to answer that, I would say, Rael, that if you are new to the country, if you have, you have been here for, you know, less than maybe five years, then having that confidence within yourself, having one less thing to manage, like changing your accent and trying and make it easy for others to understand you just puts you down further. Like it just lowers your confidence. And there's one more thing. But if you have spent, like for myself, I've spent more than a decade here. I still hold on to my accent. And there are certain words that would only come out in in that manner because English is not my first language. So if if you have developed it, there is no harm in being a bit more aware of and changing it per your audience, but it's not something that I recommend working on from the beginning. Okay. So Rashmi, so hit us now. What is your second top tip for public speaking for non-native English speakers? Yeah. The second tip that I have is knowing the fact that you know more than one language. It is it is something, again, to be proud of. 
and if you are not comfortable about it or you think that oh everyone in my country or everyone that i know knows more than one language three or four languages is common then ask a monolingual speaker it's an interesting uh tip <clears throat> i speak english i speak american i speak australian <laughs> <laughs> you can see where I'm going with this, can't you? We we live on a big island and we don't we don't rub shoulders with anyone. We have no borders on another country on another nation. Um, I have a very good friend who lives in the Netherlands. He speaks Dutch, he yes. speaks Italian, he speaks uh, French, he speaks English. Uh, he, he just staggers me with you know his ability to to oh, and he speaks German uh, really really well. So. Um, of course, because he lives in uh, bumping into these other states, they border on his country, sure. it's so much easier uh, to, to I guess, um, have those other languages, whereas when you live in a mono-language country, it's a, lot, it's a lot different. It really is. It is. It takes a lot of effort to actively learn a language, whereas if, you, if your environment supports it, like if you look at Europe, it's very common for for kids to know like maybe like four languages is very common because mother would have a mother tongue the father would have a native language and then the, they will speak to their kids in their first language so the kids will learn that and then when they go to school the school will have another language and obviously on top of all of that they are expected to know english which is which is common for all of us let me ask you you mentioned something there and an heritage okay and you know it, because it's important. I mean, a number of people I know who come here and they don't teach their kids their language that they grew up with, okay? Yeah. Um, you know, because they're trying to integrate them more into the society. You know, is that a, you know, you're obviously very strong on learning languages. You know, your kids, are they are they being schooled in your native tongue? So they go to the local school here. So obviously the medium is English. Even for my, when I was um, studying back home in India, the medium was English. But I'm very particular about making them, making sure that they know at least my mother tongue, which is the national language of the country. And the whole idea behind this is that having that connection from the language helps them connect with the culture like a lot. Thankfully, you know, my parents and my husband's parents both can speak and understand English. But there are a lot of people still in India who cannot converse very well. And then there are books, there's literature, like there's so much. There is that whole world that is out there. If they know the language, they can read, they can communicate with people. So that's my way of making sure that they know where they come from. So they are, they are not confused. And I respect other people's decision. I have a lot of friends, uh, even in India these days, people don't want their kids to learn um, Hindi, which is the national language, because they say that if you look in this global world that we live in, there's probably hardly any use of the language. But what they forget is they are, they are losing their heritage. Yeah, I was going to say there's 1.2 billion people that would probably speak Hindi of the 8 billion in the world. That's a big Absolutely. percentage. Yes, yes. But it's all that exposure from the West. Like in India, pretty much every month we have a festival. 
and on top of all those festivals can you believe rail that now halloween is celebrated <laughs> oh, oh, i was like really? really like are you kidding me <laughs> what was the need i lament lament the day that that ever got into this country let alone <laughs> oh dear oh dear let's let's move on tip number 3 rashmi what have you got for us yeah tip number 3 is a lot of non native english speakers whether whether they are from india asia malaysia any any place even europe for that matter we tend to do it's called code switching so we we are speaking in english and then we'll say something in our some words will come up which will be in our native language or one of the other languages that we know and that is called code switching there is nothing wrong with it it's perfectly natural for bilingual or multilingual speakers to do that just being aware of the fact that that is normal and if you do it just be aware of it and do not apologize for it just just be just be aware that you are you may tend to do it and if you if you do it in a meeting or something a lot of time people get on the back foot so i would suggest that being aware that if you are a multilingual speaker code switching is normal uh, so rashmi your your book that you're busy writing is called the complete guide to storytelling yes. what the working title at this point right yeah so so interestingly and and i'm connecting your your top tip now with storytelling and going that that if you bring in a word that just is in your nature that's in your natural language mm-hmm. surely that opens up a whole um aspect of being able to tell a story around that and make your story more interesting because it has a a multilingual international flavor how do you 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 know so you're not apologetic about it how do you manage that so i would say that in to not to be apologetic about it and how and to manage such a situation if some because you probably sometimes do not even realize that you have said a word so people around you will tell you what did you say what does that mean so instead of going on the back foot you could just explain and what i have experienced in the 10 years that i have been in australia people are very curious they are very open to learning if you tell them about if you want to tell them about the culture they want to know it so if you tell the meaning of the word and tell a bit of a context and if if possible a short story that helps you build that connection with that colleague of yours or with that person that you are having that interaction with so that's how you manage you tell the meaning you give a bit of context and if possible a story fantastic and that that i guess leads you on to your tip number 4 Hit us with that one. Yeah. So the tip number four that I have is a lot of times we, as non-native English speakers, have something in our mind and we cannot find the exact word in English. So <laughs> we try to do a literal conversion, and obviously that does not come all right. The subject comes at the back in some some of the languages, and sometimes it's the verb which. switches places so my tip number 4 is do not do a literal word to word conversion from your native language to english it will never work out because they are two different languages um i'm giggling here in the background rashmi <laughs> uh, i've done a lot of work in 
in in Asia, in in Singapore, Malaysia, the Philippines, and the number of times that uh, that's happened, it's it's yeah, yeah, I can, it's hilarious. Yeah. So um, I really relate strongly to that. <clears throat> so how do you tra- train your brain to not do that literal tr- translation? The first step is awareness. You need to know that it's it is not okay to do it. A lot of times I've seen that when people are learning English or if they have if they have not studied in an English medium growing up and they're learning as an adult, did they actually do it? So the first step is being aware that it it should not be done. And then obviously learning about the language, learning, when I say learning about the language, I mean English. So being aware of how the subject is placed, how the verb is placed and how it should be said. And then obviously practicing it with a native speaker. If you have that opportunity, that is the best way to improve your language and not do the literal conversions. You said something about practicing with a native speaker. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and, and I know you do, you know, your business is, is as a public speaking coach for, for non-native English speakers. How, how important is that practice? And then the extension of that is, how, you know, at what point do people, must they stop trying to memorize what they want to say and actually let it flow naturally and how do you how do you deal with that transition yeah so for that i would say there are lots and lots of ways like finding someone is probably not that easy if you are a new immigrant to the country you probably don't know anyone and you're hesitating with the language so that would come at a later stage but if you listen to the radio if you watch the the news if you subscribe to a few channels on YouTube, which help you learn English, like, no, we're not talking about the accent. We're just talking about plain English. And then there are TAFE programs and stuff that people enroll into if, if they really struggle with the language. Once all those barriers are passed, then it comes to that if you can find a neighbor, find a friend and just say to them that I just want to practice. And there are lots of... Uh, institutions these days and some initiatives with the local libraries as well that you can practice conversational English. Brilliant. Okay, so let's wrap it up. Tip number five. So tip number five is that if you are a non-native English speaker and you you struggle with managing everything on the go, like speaking on the spot or presenting at work, then I would suggest that practice vulnerability, go over to your reporting manager and ask for a bit extra time. There is nothing wrong with it. You can just say that English is not my first language. I want to be well prepared for this presentation. And if you if you want me to speak at a team meeting or something, then can you give me a bit of a notice so that I can process the information in my brain, probably write it down and then speak. Because when you speak in public and someone says something, it just has that impact on your brain. And people just tend to never, um, not never, but a lot of times people hold that on to themselves and they just keep on repeating that in their brain that they're not good at it and they're never going to be good at it. So ask for that time, practice vulnerability and accept that you need a bit more help. Rashmi, do you think that non uh, people who have English as a second language or a third language uh, 
are, are really hard on themselves sometimes in terms of they want to be perfect when, oh, when yes. in fact, I'm probably not a perfect English speaker either. Um, and so they're striving for perfection and they beat themselves up when they make one little mistake. Yes, 100%. So yesterday I ran a half-day workshop for, for a government client and it was specifically designed for non-native English speakers and it was presenting confidently at work. And the pre-workshop questionnaire and the scenarios and when I spoke to those, these 20-odd people who were there in the workshop, every single one of them had this imposter syndrome or I'm not good. Why should I say that person is better? I'm like, we all make mistakes. <laughs> we No one is perfect. So yes, it is there because English is such an imp- English has played such an important role. Like most of the countries around the globe have been, have had that um, English influence or have been. Years ago, I was in Germany and uh, <clears throat> I went over for the German Speakers Association convention and I was at a, a beer and a sausage festival. It was the Olstadt Fest in Nuremberg. Yeah. And I said to this guy, um, excuse me, sir, do you, do you speak English? And he looked at me and he said, a little and I said, uh, what is the Olstadt Fest about? And then he spoke to me in perfect textbook English. Wow. And, and I was blown away at how good his English was. And then he stumbled on one word and he said, see, I'm not very good at English. <laughs> and like. <sighs> yeah. Yes. You know, and, I, yeah. and I wondered, well, I mean, you've already confirmed it. A lot of people really do are hard on themselves. And I think, I think people are really generally forgiving uh, yes. you, you know, you make a little sleep. I mean, it's tough when it's not your first language. Yes. I'm is. sure if you uh, asked me to speak uh, Hindi, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to run into some trouble. That's right. So, so Rashmi, I mean, that, that's, you know, in the 10 or so years that you, you know, you, you've been, you know, doing this and you, you've developed this this amazing business of training people, as you said, you, you know, uh, for non-English speaking, public speaking, um, how do people get hold of you? Um, you know, seek seek you out because they want to become better public speakers and they're non-native English speakers. Yep. So they can reach out to me on LinkedIn. My LinkedIn handle is Rashmi Vatil, which is my name. And if they want to book a consult with me, it's very simple. It's www.reachrashmi.com. So if they go to that web link, they'll be able to book a conversation slot and get in touch with me. Perfect. Thank you very much, Rashmi Watel. Thank you to Lindsay Adams, my co-host. This is Rail Bricker from Perth, Western Australia, signing off for another edition of the Top 5 Podcast. Thank you. Bye-bye.